Guru Nation, thank you so much for checking out another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. It really means a lot to me. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to thank my sponsors. The first one is Inato. That's I-N-A-T-O, and you can find them at Inato.com. Inato is business development for free for sites. Whether you are a brand new site, whether you're an experienced site, you go on there, you create your site profile, they will match you with appropriate studies. They will jump on Zoom calls with you to prepare you for potential site selection visits from sponsors. They will tell you if your capabilities are up to par with what the sponsor is looking for, if your demographics are up to par as far as your patient population and your site capabilities. You build out your profile for free. They go to work trying to match you with appropriate studies. They talk to you about it. If you're a fit, they hand you off to the sponsor. There is no catch. There is no budget that they take on the back end. It's just a service where they match sites to sponsors for free. I'm a paid client of my own service, DSCS, where we do a bunch of hand-holding for sites, where we help them do their budgets, try to get them studies, help them with their feasibilities, create SOPs, create source, all that stuff for a low monthly fee, 1500 bucks. I use Inato as well because it's free. And why not complement the other things I'm doing for my business development, for my marketing, for my operations with a free site profile on Inato? These guys know what they're doing. They're running tech. They're experts in research and in tech. And they're merging the two things together, Inato.com. Thank you very much. My second sponsor, Versatrel. I was a huge skeptic of Versatrel. And now I use Versatrel on a daily basis, multiple times a day. For any of you guys that do studies, you know that most studies have between 8 to 12 different vendors for various aspects of running the trial from the IRB to the IRT to the EDC to the recruitment companies to all kinds of various things even within those portals that are sometimes hard to find and you got to navigate to electronic patient reported outcomes, the trainings for the patient diaries, the backup. There's so many things. Versatrial lets you store all these things in your site workspace for free for as many studies as you want. And then they have a back-end tool that helps you also do feasibility surveys for your site. So it cuts down the time on your feasibility surveys tremendously. I absolutely recommend all sites Use Versatrel, versatrel.io. Finally, Creo, clinicalresearch.io. Talk about a company that I was extremely skeptical of when I first heard of Ray's idea in 2017. Now I can't live life without Creo. I've been using Creo as a power user for two years. I've been playing with it on and off for the previous five years. Creo has an e-source. It has an e-reg. It has a CTMS. It has patient recruitment. It has e-consent. It has financial forecasting. It has a marketplace where you can buy source templates. They have so many things. They roll out new things all the time. They have an incredible support team. They have a help desk that actually is responsive immediately on chat with a question mark right by your workspace. It's amazing. It is all my coordinators know at Yuma Clinical Trials, we started with Electronic Source and never looked back. It has made our lives so much more easier. And Creo has such a cool 
back end where they're now collaborating with other tech companies in the industry and sponsors. And you just want to be on the right side of history when it comes to our industry and where technology is moving and site-centric solutions like Creo, like Inato, like Versatrel. They're here to stay, guys. Go check it out in the show notes. And now enjoy the show. Guru Nation, we're live. Okay, thank you guys so much. Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. You'll see this on YouTube later. Today's May 15th. And if you're listening on the podcast and you're listening in the future, just know May 15th. Okay, it's International MPS Awareness Day. It's an extremely rare genetic disease, mucopolysaccharidosis, MPS. And this one's personal for Dr. Fox. You know, you guys, you guys might remember Dr. Fox from previous podcasts. If not, go follow him. If this is your first interaction with him, maybe even better. You get to understand his why, why he's doing this. Um, I'm wearing purple for International MPS Awareness Day. We're going to do, we urge everyone to do one violet act of kindness. Violet was Dr. Fox's daughter that passed away from MPS uh, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And yep. Dr. Fox, you know, I'm starting to understand, getting to know you now over this last year, I'm understanding your why and your passion. Because when you, when you post things on LinkedIn, you're super passionate, man. And a lot of people, especially now that we're involved with SOS, a lot of people think, okay, well, you need to tone it down, man. You know, you're you're doing too much. And and now getting to know you and getting to know your why, which is violet and rare diseases and how we can improve and do and do more. Uh I don't think you should tone it down, man. This is like your this is the reason why you do this. Yeah. Violet had, uh, she had a severe version of MPS called I-cell. So MPS being mucopolysaccharitis is like a family of diseases. Violet had I-cell, which is literally called mucolipidosis or mucolipidosis 2. There's, there's actually numbers. Uh, there's, a, there's one called Hurler's. Hurler's is, is one form of it. It's a little more common. Violet, she just struck the lottery on rare disease. Unfortunately, she was uh, straight up mucolipidosis, the most severe you could have, one in 600,000. So put that into perspective, like in San Diego, when we got the diagnosis at Rady's Children's Hospital, there was a geneticist who, who looked at her and he said he's only seen two of them in his 30 years of his experience at Rady's. So she was very, very rare. She was rare in the disease level. Uh, These children have, it's almost like a thickening of the lipid bilayers in their cell membranes, which means that they can't import the resources that they need to survive. And as a result, they also can't export the toxins. Violet was four years old when she died. She was 18 pounds. She was maybe like, you know, foot and a half long. She could never walk. She just crawled. We gave her a salad bowl 
and it was that was her walker so she was walking around the floor on a salad bowl and uh she couldn't talk but she was so smart she did so many things that you know she's she was right there but that last year of life for violet was very painful you could just see the pain in her eyes her body tried to keep growing it tried her wrists were the same size as her shoulder. <laughs> I mean, her joints were trying to increase. She kept trying to grow, but her body just wouldn't allow it. It was an enzymatic disorder. Um, and so it, it was very painful, not only for her. We, she had to live off of NSAIDs. She had, we had to give her pain meds. We just had to try to keep her comfortable. But it's been painful for the whole family. And this goes back into grief counseling and a lot of the grief. If anyone out there has known someone who has passed away or they're trying to help someone get through passing away, there's the stages of grief and you never really move on. You just move forward. It kind of just, you grow around that scar and you keep going. This is actually the first year where it's an equal amount of time where Violet's been gone versus we've had Violet. So we've officially been without her long, just mm. as long as we've been with her. So you know, that, that kind of puts it in perspective. She, she died on, she died on Christmas Eve. I, I'll send you the picture sometime if you'd like to see it, but I have the last picture of me holding her and she was just miserable. She died or no, she died. I held her on Christmas Eve and then I found her on Christmas morning dead. So she was gone. That's, you know, Scarlett, our other daughter, she had to uh, open up two sets of gifts that year and have two stockings and we're trying to have family Christmas while we're waiting for the, the, uh, the everyone to pick up her body and all the nurses. And it was a very challenging time. And uh, it, it caused a lot of pain for me coming back to the drive. It was sitting there as a scientist, not being able to do anything for my daughter, like trying. I was in the industry. I reached out to people. I tried. This was, this was when you were a I was site a director. director right? I was a site director, mm -hmm. and I did everything I could to try to find her help. But you and couldn't then, find anything in Illinois. You had to go to San Diego with a specialist. Well, no, we we had we had the diagnosis. We lived in San Diego when we got the diagnosis. Radies. Oh, I didn't know you lived in San Diego. Yeah, we lived in Hamul. Over in the mountains oh, that's right. Okay, okay. So that's when wow. we got the diagnosis. And Radies, they were so kind. But even then, at Radies, really, really big place in San Diego, they couldn't do anything. So we went back home. Nobody in the country would had anything for ISIL. In fact, there wow. was there were some advancements for ISIL. They successfully created a feline model to help to do ISIL research they ran out of funding and they had to close down the feline model. There's random ISIL cats around the nation right now. They're dying out. So we're nowhere closer to an ISIL advancement now than we were before. There was a biotech company in St. Louis who they were onto a mouse model, ran out of money. It's not worth it. And so then as a result, they shut it down. And when you're in these rare disease, uh, th these rare diseases where children die early, you've got, a very short flame of time for people who are advocates for it. And then when the children die, they don't want to be associated with it anymore. They want to move on with their lives. And so you just move on to the next generation of people who have to go through the same exact pain. 
it is. So this time last year, I posted NPS Awareness Day, right? Someone from Greece, someone from Greece contacted me. My child is nine months old. I just got the eye cell diagnosis. Wow. And so I, I've been trying to work with them, going through the eye cell journey again, trying to be almost like a grieving parent mentor where they, they have that fire in their hearts. They want to do something about it. And guess what? It's no different than when I went through it. There's mm-hmm. no research. Pete, they're trying to raise the funds. Odds are there's no way we're going to help their, their child. And we're right back to where we started. Yeah. And uh, Stephanie, I, I concur. Sorry for your loss. Um, may Violet rest in peace. You know, she's watching over you, like I told you yesterday, mm-hmm. from above and cheering you on. And she's your biggest fan, man. And she's, <laughs> <laughs> she wants this SOS to take off and do big things for the industry. Do you think this, this particular disease, MPS, do you think it's as simple as like maybe something like gene therapy can fix or? Yep. So they're hurlers MP, MPS three hurlers mm-hmm. is the one that they're targeting first. Cause it's one of the more common versions of it. Yes. So they're, are they doing at, anything right now? Yeah, like they're, they're close to CRISPR. They're doing a lot of the things for hurlers where wow. we're generations of eye cell children deaths away from an, uh, an eye cell. Therapy. Because these genes would be expressed everywhere in the body, right? Yeah. Like in it every is, cell. Yeah. So that they call it syndromes because it's it is a syndrome. It, it's fully expressed. Um, so mm. it, my the CRPN logo in the back, those three triangles, is very intentional. The whole huh. idea of that logo, the three triangles with that circle in the center. You can kind of see it on my screen. The circle, uh, the circle is the patient and the three triangles are the sites, the sponsors and the CROs coming together around that patient. To wow. try to care for that patient. You know, I never and, noticed the three triangles there ever. And I, I've interviewed you half a dozen times. And that the center is the patient, but then the colors were also very intentional. And one of the colors is a magenta kind of a color mm-hmm. for violet. So Violet's right there in the CRPN logo. She, she does everything we do. And part of it goes back to what I was saying when I was a director, when we were going through this with Violet, um, I was negotiating all kinds of trials and I was looking at this and we, I saw as the ISO community, like they tried, they put their hands up in the air and they did this, but there was, um, there was this feeling I was, I guess I was trying to make it logical as a scientist saying, okay, if I had to put $2 billion into the development of the drug, I'd want to try to make the most bang for my money. I'd want to try to help as many people as possible. And unfortunately, when it comes to rare diseases, it's almost like saying, well, if things are so expensive, it felt as though the industry was trying to tell me like, my child's life wasn't worth saving because it was too expensive to try to help her. And that was, it was really hard as a scientist to say that, but now that I'm going through what I'm doing and I'm seeing what's going on, it's not that my child's life was not worth saving. It's that we 
are so inefficient that we can't help these people. So when I yeah. go through and I look at these contracts or I'm trying to fully fund a trial so that we can try to get these patients through every, everything that I do is to ensure that we can be efficient and we can help as many people as possible. Yeah. Cause I, even right now, I mean, I'm sure you're going through it, but I, across my network, I have, I have negotiations going on right now. Some of these negotiations are one month old, two months old, three months old. And it's not the patient's fault. It's not even the site's fault, but they don't even know what's going on. They don't. I don't think the people realize when they drag their feet or they don't get the site, their budget, or they don't renegotiate to get the sites, what they need. I don't think these people realize what they are doing to patients by delaying this. They're, they're focused so much on, you know, money. We're working on trying to save money for our sponsors when actually they're cutting their sponsor's throat. They're, they're working on trying to make the best possible margin because of who, who knows what. But the one thing I could say is every delay, every time they screw sites out of money, it's blood money. It is truly blood money. And coming from someone who has literally experienced that hopelessness in an industry where people just keep moving on, but you don't feel like your children are worth saving because of what your industry is doing. It is Man. absolutely infuriating. So I've heard, I've seen the terms abrasive. I've seen the terms, maybe that's a little much. I've even seen the terms, you know, maybe you're just going to get like kicked out of the industry because you're being too loud you know what? I, I don't care. I honestly don't care. I'm no, doing it. I'm that doing won't it happen. for the patients. So it won't happen, especially these trials. I mean, with gene therapy and I'll tell you off, off camera, there's a rare disease study that my CRO, you know how I have me and Chris have a very small CRO. Mm -hmm. We get approached by projects here and there, just small IITs. There's one that I'll share with you. Um, afterwards because we don't have a lockdown yet i can't talk about it but after this interview i'll share with yeah. you uh it reminds me a lot of this but basically we are our industry you know how we say okay we're getting more complex and um we're actually to the point where we're doing studies just for one patient um mm -hmm. so, customized tailored medicine cust yep, yeah it's coming yeah. It's, it's on its way it's actually here like i'll share the story with you uh off camera and then when we're ready we'll go public with it but there's people out there that have done it for just one patient at a time and then they want to scale it up for others afterwards so we're getting there i think you're going to see it really soon um crpn is going to play a role sos is going to play a role like we're all going to have to play a role all this creo versatrial all these tools mm -hmm. help Anything that increases efficiency is literally saving lives. I mean, we try to stay away from hyperbole on these things, on these mm -hmm. live streams. Like, oh, how does a versatile save lives? Well, actually, it does. It keeps the coordinator more organized. It buys a patient an extra day. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's all you need. Yeah, especially in, in screenings and enrollments. You know, mm -hmm. If you can get all of the patients in within a month instead of over the course of 18 months, you're going to have that technology to be transferred 
Samantha says, came to learn about MPS through my interaction with Paradigm Biopharmaceutical. Do you are you familiar with this company? No, I don't. I'm gonna have to look. Yeah, I actually Paradigm. do a study with them. Really? Yeah, I gotta stop making fun of them because um, if they're working on these rare disease, and I, there are they are a rare disease company that also does some mm -hmm. non-rare disease stuff. And I think uh, uh, I think there's a company called Ionis. Ionis Pharmaceuticals, I think they're the ones that came out with an, an MPS3 therapy that they're working on. Samantha, see, this industry is moving so quickly. Dr. Fox is not, and he studies this stuff. Mm -hmm. They're phase two comparing yeah. injectable pentosan polysulfate into placebo. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm doing yeah. this similar study, but not for MPS. Yeah, they're doing MPS4. So they're, wow. I mean, it, it's coming. So the and Violet MPS, had two, yeah. right? You said two. No, Violet had uh, the rarer version of MPS called ML. I see. So her, she was mucolipidosis. She wasn't mucopolysaccharitis. So uh, you know, I see, I see. you know that you know that your rare disease is so rare that there's not even a day for it. <laughs> so they kind of they try to bend it into right, another right. awareness day. So this one's mucopolysaccharidosis type six or is it type four maybe it's typo um, uh it could be six there's a huge wow. spectrum of mps wow. yeah and they're and doing great work in oa there you go you mm -hmm. caught me there you that's go. the study i'm working on the same it. drug same drug um and you know there's a cro involved uh that we've worked on in the past and a lot of these biotechs you know they rely on these CROs to help them out and I think for the most part, like the CROs do have good intentions, but you know, the, the inefficiency that's sometimes created by just the mundane, I guess, repetitive workflow mm -hmm. is at the end of the day, like there's a bigger price to pay than just sites being unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, sites being unhappy is one thing that's, that will come with the territory. But this goes back. I'm seeing one of David's comments, and that's yeah. so. I I really do think, and this is this is why I'm affiliated with whom I'm affiliated with. But I really do think that the technologies like Medvector will be the answer to David's question. Um, mm -hmm. When you can integrate research into healthcare, where you can just approach a doctor I think so that. Too. I think I, so. When you can approach a doctor that knows a patient's story, that can be a part of that research journey. And then you have like little site community hubs. Those, those IROs, man, those community sites, they're going to be the future research because they're going to have those relationships with local physicians. Local physicians will go to the research thing, say, hey, you know, do you have a trial? Okay, we'll run it right here in this doctor's office. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's going to be the answer. I don't. And I, you know, AMCs are going to try to maintain the hub because they're subsidized. Honestly, let's just they. Well, shout do... out to some of these AMCs, yeah. David. Right but, now, it is AMCs. I mean, it is well, going to be AMCs, but I think it's going to be a future for community research. I think so too. What a lot of people don't know, and I'm one of the biggest critics of AMC from a career perspective. Like, if you're a career seeker, I mean. I think there's better places to grow your career unless you like that kind of environment. And it is for some people. The AMCs are doing a lot of these studies for free. Yeah. Like I know, yeah. I know about at least five of them 
that have agreed to do these rare disease studies for free. Yep. For well, free. They get they get state subsidies. It's free mm-hmm. because they have other routes of money. Uh, if you've ever worked at an AMC, though, you've ever tried to ride the grant waves that AMCs have to do, it's cutthroat, man. They have to depend on publications for their livelihood. There's so there's mm. there's it's it's financially free, but at the cost of what? There's other incentives for them. Yeah. 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 And then Samantha says type four. Um, but you're right. Type four. Uh, you're right, Daniel and David. Um, I think tech. Maybe Medvector, one of your sponsors, um, a, a an organization, a tech that I'm trying to start to use here in Yuma, not for rare disease, but just to expand our patient capabilities. Um, so we'll see how that works, but mm-hmm. it definitely has a lot of potential. Uh, also, things like eSource and eReg, you know, Creo mm-hmm. and Viva. I mean, if you can cut down that monitoring and let's say just get these let's say get the data approved quicker. Mm-hmm. I mean, that also saves a lot of time and can help a lot of patients out at the end of the day. Yeah. Maybe well, dozens of patients for a rare disease. And CRPN. That's it's, that's my plug. But the whole point is you knock away those three months of site startup events. You don't have to negotiate every single trial. You can literally treat it where you give sponsors something equivalent to an insurance card let them walk into sites, give their insurance card, and get the trial going. Yeah, there's there's ways that we can integrate research into healthcare. We just have to follow their models. I'm curious. Um, on Samantha says, apologies, it's type six. Type six. I'm just I just learned about this this weekend from Dr. Fox. I mean, yeah, I never knew there was such a thing as International MPS Awareness Day. I actually asked ChatGPT to help me out, and it was not aware that it was International MPS Awareness Day. This was a weird one because yesterday was Mother's Day. Mm. And when you combine Mother's Day, so of course, it's it's always kind of a weird, bittersweet Mother's Day here in the Fox household. But then the day right after is MPS Day. This was a kind of a weird year for it. Yeah. So. We always wear purple for violet is what I call it on MPS day. And then we always go through and we perform what I call a violet act of kindness. And it's literally just, if you find yourself in a situation where even if someone's trying to reach something at the top shelf and you can get it for them, or they dropped something, you pick it up, or if you even have the money to do it, buy someone's meal who needs it, any kind of a violet act of kindness, it's really helpful to maybe just let her memory live on and what she did uh, every year, every year that we do it on MPS day. Yeah. That's why I'm wearing the purple and we encourage everyone to do a violet act of kindness. So something (laughs) random, nice for someone else. Um, I'm curious, Dr. Fox pre violet. Okay. Um, were you the same passionate guy you are now or I I didn't know you. All I know is this version of you, <laughs> the one uh, that people say, calm down <laughs> on the memes, man. You know, you're too aggressive. I've, I No, I think I've always been a disruptor. Sometimes, honestly, I don't even know the person I was before Violet. It's just kind of been a part of me, but looking back, I mean, 
I've, I've earned gold medals of achievement. I've been the top of my class. I have, I don't know if you see my wall, but I have all of these awards, all of these things. I think that I used to be restrained by fear. I used to be restrained by worrying that something might happen. But I guess the only thing you can say is after you've lost a child, especially after you've lost a child where you literally, you lost all hope, you, there was no chance you could have helped. There's really not to sound uh, like, su- it's not suicidal, but it's literally like you cannot possibly feel any worse pain ever. And so as a result, you really, you're not too worried about what people think of you. You're not too worried about the consequences because you've already been as low as possible. Yeah. So unfathomable for most people. Yeah. It's, and and anyone who has been in that situation where um, just, uh, so when I woke up on Christmas morning, and I was the one that found Violet dead in the in the crib. Granted, I have been a scientist. I we're on a farm. We deal with dead animals all the time. I had to do that. But when it's your own daughter, they're completely stiff, uh, not there anymore, just a, a corpse. Uh, it's it changes you. But I do remember the one thing that I did on Christmas was when they came with the hearse. They, I said, I want to be the one to take her into the van. I will pick her up. I'm going to take her those last few steps. I'm going to put those, I'm going to put her in that car. So uh, I'll never forget that part. But when I approached that crib, picked up that very stiff body and I took her, walked her out of the house, walked her down the driveway and put her in that van um, for her last trip in the car um that was very symbolic for me i got her through the journey i i made a promise to her that i would take care of her until the very end and that was uh that was a big moment for me and that level of pain is the one that i'm not sure i mean i i wouldn't hope it on anyone but i'm sure anyone listening to this right now who's had to go through that knows exactly what I'm talking about, where I will spend the rest of my life with this fuel, with this passion to make sure that other people will not feel this pain. And if anyone feels as though this is too much, I'm sorry, but that's my mission. That's I'm just going to keep going until I can't go. I know the logo has a lot to do with Violet. Um, as you mentioned, the purple. <clears throat> um, do you was this CRPN like something you were gonna do before Vila was born, or was this like no? This CRPN was developed when I was directing in Illinois. Violet was here, mm. and I started CRPN. Uh, actually, I I started just after Violet had passed away, but it was driven by the fact that there are patients who are suffering and it's not the patient's fault. It's not even the science fault. It's just because we as an industry do not function our processes efficiently. Yeah. And 
it's just, it's infuriating when you see, I mean, I, I wish, I wish I could share, I wish I could show you the letters to our sites that we receive. And every single one of those sites has patients that we could help today, but we can't because there's someone in this industry who they're holding us back yeah, and they're holding us back for really stupid reasons. What do you think? What's the one thing that you think you, you could change to make things exponentially better in our industry? That's for me. It's, it's the money part. I feel as though, and again, I just call it metal and paper. It's literally just a bunch of metal and paper and we are the ones that put value to it. But if you use it as all it is, is just a tool to go get to from one point to the other, a tool to get the job done. It's really not worth that much. And mm -hmm. I do believe that we as an industry need to take a look at that as just the tool to get the job done. The job done being to get our patients the care that they need. And that is the one impact that I want to make. I want to make sure, just as I say in CRPN, that our sites have everything that they need to get the job done when they need it. And yeah. when that happens, we're going to do things faster and we're going to help more patients. And that includes AMCs. That includes in your, AMCs. Because they're the Absolutely. ones on the forefront of these genetic disease studies yes. primarily. I mean, yes. they're the ones equipped to do it right now. Yeah. Un unfortunately, AMCs have so many political barriers that yeah. I think what will happen is when community uh, centers start to gain access to the research that AMCs do and when we can make it very efficient. Uh, I think you're going to see it really explode. Leveraging tech. So. Leveraging tech mm -hmm. for the community sites. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And as far as the money is concerned, so you're obviously the school of thought is for CRPN is let's make life easier for the sites. Let's make life more profitable for the sites. Mm -hmm. That's going to yep. help the patients quicker. It, yep. The biggest holdup in your experience is where during the contract negotiations or during like if you could fix one thing if you i used to be on clubhouse during COVID, and they said if you could have one magic wand and change something about this industry so would you change the contract negotiation or would you change like the actual operation mm -hmm. of how sites do the studies gosh that's like asking what you want for christmas i think it's <laughs> going to be a, a huge combination. So if you make it efficient and you allow the sites, the ability to create a margin, and this is what I've said before, most of the sites, even the, some of the AMCs, they're living in the dark ages as far as technology goes. Yeah, yeah most, most sites and most, most AMCs. And yeah. the reason why they're living in the dark ages is because they don't have the margins to reinvest in their future. They're always in survival mode. Mm. So if you can empower them with the resources that wow. they need when they need it, and if you That's can true. empower them with money, believe it or not, if you were to give sites money, excess money, they would be able to reinvest in their infrastructure and we would be able to have a better future for research. But since we're so top heavy, meaning all of the money's at the top, it trickles down to the sites and sites are literally scraping the bottom of the barrel just to survive. 
we're always going to live in the dark ages. So, David, I guess. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead, David. David has a good <clears throat> comment here. Um, his favorite verse from Macbeth is, don't let your grief be equal to her worth, for then it would never end. Mm -hmm. And that's really a yeah. good way to put it. Uh, I mean, Violet's here. Violet's always going to live through your work. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I did this interview, Dr. Fox. It gave me a greater understanding of you. You're my business partner mm -hmm. on a couple of things. And yep. I didn't have this insight, you know, the full insight. I probably still don't, but I have like a much clearer view of your why. And it's clearly extremely important to you and to our industry. And I appreciate you waking up so early just to talk to me on NPS <laughs> day. <laughs> it's hour earlier, man. It's I, worth I try it. to be, I try to be chipper. I try to be spitfire, but I, this, these are the things I don't talk about because I don't want to live like this forever. You, you become comfortable with living your new life and you don't want to relive the past. But I did want to bring it up this year only because of a lot of the things that are happening right now. I want people to understand the origin story, like why I'm doing what I'm doing. And there's a good reason. Yeah, I guess it goes back to that. You never know, you know, be, <laughs> uh, don't be quick to judge. You never know what somebody's mission is, what somebody's going through on a daily basis on the, you know, in their life. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think we're happy to have you as part of, we're honored to have you as part of SOS and we need that passion and that fire i mean that's how change gets gets accomplished mm -hmm. it's with passionate people who have a bigger why than just hey let's increase profit margins or let's add yeah. another revenue stream that's not one of the reasons i wanted to do sos as it as is but you know we have somebody who clearly has a greater purpose than the rest of us and it's super important. And I think patience, mm -hmm. we, it's easy to forget patience, you know, and we talk about patient centricity and this and that, but it's easy to forget that we're all patients at the end of the day. I mean, this could be any of us. There's thousands of rare diseases. There's what's the stat one in 10 people have a rare disease. They're not so rare after all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're all different. Every, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's all there is to it. We all have a different makeup. And tailored medicine. I remember they used to say tailored medicine all the time. And then I think COVID got in the way. It used to sound Maybe. like science fiction. Now it's like, yeah, I mean, it's obvious. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, here's your profile. We're going to know exactly what to give you when you do it. We used to do that in hearing. There was a big push where we were going to do diagnostics in hearing protection so that mm. you could have tailored antioxidant combinations and cocktails for your specific hearing needs. Uh, there's there's all kinds of ways that you could do this and uh, it's gonna it's gonna happen and then big shout out to the mps folks so i know that there's a lot of people hurting out there and i really want them to know that research is coming it's gonna be on its way don't lose hope do not lose hope ever you can't Mm -hmm. so. And shout out to the sponsors working on this stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm working with these guys uh, on a study, right? This is one of the reasons I had to leave early, wake up an hour early. We're screening a patient Wow! for these guys today for an OA study. And congratulations. Shout out to these sponsors out here innovating. Like who would have thought pentosan polysulfate sodium 
used for years for interstitial cystitis. It's not Ionis. It's Regenex Bio. Regenex Mm. Bio did an MPS drug, and they're working on it. So a lot of those genetic factor ones, I'm sorry, Ionis. Biotechs, man. I mean, we don't credit the innovation in our industry enough. You know, and people like myself, like you, like Brad, we get accused of making fun of the industry, its inefficiencies, and yeah, there's jokes. Like I'll throw jokes in there for memes, but the sponsors are out there innovating, man. Mm-hmm. These guys, especially the small to mid-sized ones, they're out there. They're that's their mission. That's their business objective is to innovate. Yep. They Have take ever... products from the past and make them better and find different ap- applications for them. I love. That's what I love about this industry. Have you ever worked at a sponsor? No. It's. it's I plan throat. to in the future. It's cutthroat. It is, you're always, you think that sites are having a hard time always chasing the money like that? Imagine Mm -hmm. trying to be at a sponsor where you don't get to depend on multiple people to give you money. You have to depend on investors to put all of their money into a single technology. Investor, the public markets. Yeah, it is. Once you go public, you have to deal with all those meme meme people. You think we're bad at memes. You should see the stock memes. Oh, geez. <laughs> so it's I mean respect I know, to them, but it's man, it's necessary. Yeah. This this book, everybody should read it. This is what it the cost mm-hmm. of taking a drug from an idea to market. And yeah. it's basically all about biotechs. It's not that big. I'm trying to get the author on the show, but they're ignoring me. Uh, I'll just end up reading the book myself over a series of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Live for people. But so, big shout out to the sponsors and thank you for giving those patients hope. I'm telling you, those, especially those genetic guys. Shout out to the sponsors. Uh, Samantha, glad I joined the day. Dr. Fox, sincere condolences to you and your family. Thank you, I will Samantha. do what I can to honor Violet's memory. <clears throat> Myself as well. I think we all should. You know, Violet, act of kindness. Like I told you, she's up. She's up in heaven watching over you, man, and cheering you on, your biggest fan, and everybody keep in mind you know what the actual big picture is here and it's patience we could all be patients we are all patients eventually dr fox everybody go connect with him if you're listening his linkedin is underneath if you're watching you already know where to get dr fox but <laughs> check him out thank you so much dr fox i appreciate thank you it. dan and thank you everyone for watching